Uh, welcome to the third episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. And today I'm talking to Eddie Muhammad. And I've known Eddie for quite a few years now. In fact, we even he even invited me to come with him to Africa. Um, he's originally from the island of Zanzibar, which is off the east coast of Tasmania. Tanzania. Tanzania, sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Thanks for the correction. Okay, Zanzibar is an island off the east coast of Tanzania. Eddie's going to share with you a bit more about what life was like growing up in Zanzibar and how he comes to be in such a different place like Tasmania. Welcome, welcome, Eddie. So could you tell us a bit about where you were born and um, what it was like? Uh, thank you very much, Mark. Um, I was born and raised in the island of Zanzibar in 1967. Born and raised in Zanzibar and all my life is Zanzibar until 1999 that's the time I moved from Zanzibar to Tasmania so I came to Tasmania because I met a lady from Tasmania <laughs> but she's original from New Zealand but she grew up here so how did you originally meet your wife how did you end up getting together and then coming to Tasmania I met her back in Zanzibar I was at work and I met her at work I used to be a tour guide and that is how we met met her there and then yeah and invite her to my family having having to know my few of my siblings because she didn't meet all of them that time because we are everywhere but she met a few of them for a few hours and then that's that says that's how it how it was and what was she doing in Zanzibar? Uh, she just came was traveling but myself myself I say maybe she was looking for me <laughs> 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 so was she in one of your tours? Yeah, she was one of the group in my tour. And so how long was it from your first meeting until you made the decision to move all the way to Tasmania? I met her was in 1997. I met her 1997 or back in Zanzibar. And then, yeah, since that time, and then she was coming and visiting me there. And then she came and asked me if I want to come, if I want to make a serious life changing I mean getting married and I say it's okay but how and ask me about how about if I can come here and I say why you're not coming to live in Zanzibar but and she was explaining to me about financial thing of her work and so and I agree for me to come then I sacrifice everything leave everything behind the place I know the people I know the, the diet which I used to and then I have to come here and start all over again. Yeah. So what was going what was going through your mind at the time? What were the things that you were sort of that helped you make the decision? I want to have my own family. It's not about uh, for me I wasn't like I want to come I want to go overseas. That it wasn't in my mind and I didn't because back home as I say I used I had my own job everything I have over there and I have all the responsibilities as a boy there you born in your families you have a responsibilities uh, but I sacrifice all of them because uh, thinking okay now I'm growing up getting older then I needed to have a and maybe this is the, the one God bring it to me 
that is how what wasn't planned for me and it wasn't because before as I say before I was asking her to come over there <laughs> so because I don't want to leave my comfortable zone I think a lot of people who haven't been migrants themselves don't appreciate what a big sacrifice and step it is to come to such a totally different culture different culture different dietitian different weather <laughs> <laughs> now that I've been there myself, I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. But what was when you first? So you came to Tasmania in 1999, and uh, I should give a bit of context. To people who don't know, in 1999 there were very, very few African people here. <laughs> yeah. And just generally, I think there might have been like ten black faces you would have seen in Hobart. And the whole of Hobart quite different from from now. I mean, there's not thousands of Africans here, but there's a lot more than there was in 99. So how, how was it being kind of one of the few? When I came over here, it wasn't, I can say, it's, yeah, I think I, I knew only four, we were four or five of us here in Tasmania. That is, and it was very hard for me really to, to walk around and look, people look at you as very strange, like someone they never seen before. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit like entertaining. People, <laughs> they look at you or they, yelling to you on the street and uh, me it was it was entertaining but for I don't know <laughs> yeah so you mean entertaining you mean the people's reactions yeah yeah so it, it was entertaining by to me so people there uh, see people yelling like exciting or whatever like they saw someone or they saw something they never seen ah, because I can't really put my head around what's really re- their reaction to see African person walking in the street. <laughs> what kind of reactions did you get from people? Were they, was it like, were they curious? Were they uh, hostile? Or were they just kind of confused? I can say because uh, most of these people that used to yell is young people. Mm-hmm. So I uh, can say maybe they were enjoying themselves or they want to make something. I really can't get it why you walk around and then someone yelling, yeah! I, I really don't know why, but I know it was their reaction and young people, they can't hide themselves. And because also I can say because they are in their environment. Yeah. So they are in the chair. So they so they want to show themselves. Uh, it's, it's like they welcoming you or they, I don't know, but I can't really figure out. But uh, to me, it was a little, little bit strange, but uh, it was was entertaining me, right? So, <laughs> yeah, because when a few uh, say, oh, okay, I feel like I'm on a soccer pitch. <laughs> I did oh, something okay. and people, they celebrate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what was, when you first arrived, what, what were some of the other challenges that you sort of faced with settling in? The challenge first all, first was weather. That was a challenging. And secondly, to get the job. To get the job, it was hard for me because I don't know anyone except my wife and my in-laws <laughs> they are the one I know so and they say it's the lifestyle here in western is a different lifestyle in, in Africa mm. in Africa I can say a little bit if 
you seen this, uh, I've seen some of the Greek like documentary or the, the shows in a Greece male sitting outside going they play dominoes or card yeah. or in Italy they do and I think the same so it's a similar little bit there in Africa yeah. similar male they're going out sitting drinking coffee or playing some games but here come is just you stay home you go to the pub that is that's it so you go you stay home go to the pub you have no so it was for me a little bit hard because I don't get home I can't go home and also I can't go to the pub mm -hmm. because I don't drink and also I can't go to the pub because I know nobody yeah. so it was a little bit it was a little bit to me hard but I get through so how did you um, like in terms of getting a job what, what did you end up doing or what sort of had that work out I can say it was as I said it was hard and because I used to work at home and I'm a person if uh, I saw something in the shop I want to buy okay I can buy these things and and it was hard for me to come here I have no job and to go and ask my wife I want money mm -hmm. and it, it was for me it was very strange to ask a lady I want money to go and buy this and I'm not working yeah. it was hard for me it was like someone putting acid in my in internal of me so I was burning yeah so but and I was pushing her for me to get a job but thank God that time my in-laws they used to own a apple orchard and then they say if I want to go over there and work I say I do yeah. then I get to work there that is how my first step started working and, and how was it working on the apple orchard how long did you do that for I worked in an apple orchard for two years mm -hmm. and it was good but it was a bad because of the weather because I was still newly here but yeah I get over that <laughs> it's cold it put more layers on it <laughs> yeah there's one Sunday my wife took we went to my in-laws it was on Sunday and then she said yeah, if you want to play soccer we can go there on Sundays and I went Sunday there and then I met some guys and some of the African guys and we started playing we playing soccer there and I met this guy from Chile we talk we introduce one another we talk and then he asked me if I want to play soccer I say yeah I want to play soccer for the club I say yeah that is what uh, I really want to do but I don't know how how to get the club around here because I never seen uh, people playing soccer around here I can see a lot of people with a cricket bat and <laughs> and Aussie rules all that time I used to call it rugby ball because I didn't know about uh, Aussie rules because I never had so I know that shape of the ball is a uh, rugby and so say to me is that is Aussie rules and I ask you what is Aussie rules is. <laughs> and they told me about it. I said, oh, okay. And that guy, then he took me to the to the club. We trained there, the club like, and they registered me. And that's, that's, that's it. And then in there, in the club, I get it. And then I met someone. He's, he was the supervisor of the Ingham's Chicken. And then he asked me if I want to go and work over there. I said, yeah, sure. I wanted yoga then. And that is how I start to get to know people through the sports mm. all the way to now. So whatever I can, now I can call here like it's my home. Like the, when we went to Zanzibar, you saw there is, I know everyone. <laughs> they know me and I came here, I know everyone. <laughs>
<laughs> so, so is that the, the first time you were able to play soccer or football here in Tasmania? Yeah, so the club was, I registered with a Glonoki night. Yeah, so that is the first club I played and then play with them, I think, three, four seasons, I think, like that. Well, soccer was, that was a big part of your life in back in Zanzibar, wasn't it? Yeah, that is, that's the game. Everyone, I can say almost all African, that is the game is the number one. Yeah. And then the secondly, is uh, maybe athletes running around. And yeah. like, as I say, but the soccer is the number one. Yeah. You, we don't have a, <laughs> swimmers. We're surrounded with the ocean, but we don't have a swimmers there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't have, we have a fisherman. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the swimming is not like a sport like here. You can make your life through swimming there. No, there's a soccer, running a little bit. There is a bikes, push bikes. People, they do, but it's not like here. Don't see people running around in Lycra. Yeah, there's no. So there are people, they have a bikes just to, it's like you have a car, driving your car. So is it, yeah. Yeah, so, so obviously soccer is a really important thing for uh, uh, just a social activity as well as a sport in Africa. Yeah, soccer and yeah, and netball too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. basketball. A bit. And so, obviously, being becoming involved in that here really helped open open doors for you. Yeah, because it's, when you're a sportsman, it is in a sports you you get to learn how to live with other people, mm-hmm. no matter what what color, what religious, which language you speak. But in a sports, you speak the same language, all of you. Yeah. Every single one we sing, we're not seeing the color. We sing there as a as a brother. It's like a family when you are in a sports. So that is, to me, come all the way to now. And I come in a foreign country. I know nobody. I know nothing about this. But now I can say I know a lot of people, not everyone, but I know a lot of people. And I know, I know 100%, but a lot of people, they know me. And I don't know them. Yeah, yeah. yeah through the sports. So in a sport, in, you get to know one another, and also you live with someone. It's not like here. There we have a like we call it a camp. Mm-hmm. When the club, when the competition is before that, so all of us players, the club paying for us stay in a like hostel or whatever it is. So all of us we staying together for one, two, two months. Yeah. Together, we eat together. We doing all the time. We are together. So, so I come here to me is it was easy for me to connect with the people because of I was already been into the sport. So yeah. easy for me to make a life and whatever I go in in the world. <laughs> yeah. So did you did you find playing at the club that it helped you maybe understand some local people a bit better? Yes, to play the soccer because the local people then they recognize me in the street because I play last Saturday or Sunday and they know ah that guy he played for this club he played that game so and also for my teammate also they when we meet in the street introducing me to other 
people. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, that is... It was easy for me to settle here because uh, my background is sports. Yeah. So... Oh, my God. Back to life in, in Zanzibar. How many, how many were in your family? We were born, my sibling, we were born 11 of us. 11 of us. 11 of us. Five, I mean, it was a... Five girls and six boys, but the three of the boys now they gone, and we are three boys left, and the girls they're still there. They're not all in Zanzibar, are they? Uh, they almost all of them except one. She lives in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So, but the rest, the girls, any boys, they are back in Zanzibar. So, what was life like in Zanzibar in such a big, big family? Yeah, life. I can say is hard, but but it's easy mm-hmm. because in in Africa we live we live together and whatever we have we share we don't live I think here we have a little bit here in Western countries we have a little bit it's not a little bit it's a lot it's individual but there we live as if as a family and when you call a family it's a different than here so there when you call a family so if uh, I have uh, uncles I have uh, uh, aunties I have uh, grandparents and and this all of these people and a brother of my father brother of my yeah so that is that is at home over there we call it the family yeah. it's not just me and my wife and kids and then called no there is a we call that a, that the family yeah. so when I go somewhere and they know they know okay this boy or this girl they come from this family yeah. this is their people and that is her, is, is our identities like that yeah so does that mean that everybody in that bigger extended family has sort of looks out for each other if I go sometimes or for example my mom goes out uh, we have a problem with this, this, this. Maybe her cousins or whatever it is, they have something, they will help her. Yeah. So they can help her and bring it to her. And, and if anything happens, funeral, weddings, oh, whatever it is, these people, all of them, they get together and get together and talk to tackle something. Yeah. So they share their idea, their brain, and then and if there is, there is a donation, we do, this is the donation we do for the funeral. They say, ah, we, they say the people, the group of these people, they donate, maybe they, 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 it's wedding. It's not here, wedding, like, I have to find my own money and my wife-to-be to find her own money and then yeah. to, but no, they are, if I want to marry, I have to go to them. Okay, so everybody in the family yep. helps out. Yep, they have to tip something, yep. they do that and then they organize. It's not me or my wife no, it's the that family. They're the one they organize, and the women and women also her side. They doing same thing. Okay, they doing there. So there is a celebration to the boy, and there is a celebration to the girl, and then all these people they meeting together. Yeah. So this big family, this big family, they join together. So is a wedding like quite a big, big event? Yeah, wedding is a big event. Funeral is a big event. Yeah. Because people, all of us, we have to meet 
together yeah. and to help these who they lost their mom or they lost their father or they lost their brother or sister these people all of them they come around and comfy yeah. and also the neighbors coming in uh-huh. neighbors also they come and join in so that's it's a really big difference uh, yeah here and- here is a completely big difference because when I used to when I start to work here at Huonville then Apple Orchard there's one time there's I work with the two brothers and they say brothers on a weekend they after they get their pay it was a Friday evening and they get a accident they die and Monday I went to work and the manager told me about it uh, they passed and then I asked are we gonna go to the funeral and say no you can't go to the funeral I have you have to be invited I say how that works to go to the funeral you're going to say goodbye to this person how you have to be invited it's not a wedding so it was a little bit for me strange that to say okay but but back in Africa that is is a shock I can tell you, Mark, when I came here, I heard about this uh, bullying. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this word. And I asked my mom, what this bullying me? And she explained to me. And I say, this is the thing people, they, I mean, the kids, they killing themselves because of this bullying. And I say, yeah. I say, how? And she say, yeah, because uh, is it someone or some group of people, they just pick on you, makes you uncomfortable. And I say, this type of thing in Africa, it's not an issue with this no. we don't have this type of thing mm. but then I understand the system the law system here is a different than there because yeah. in Africa if I'm going to pick someone you know what mm. that guy he's gonna wait for me and then we're gonna fight we you get bash or after that that's it it's finished mm. so tomorrow I'm not gonna pick on him anymore but here is uh, the law oh, you touch someone so if someone is touching you but you can't touch him back because he's got some other people they backing him up or her up yeah. and there because the way how we live in there so I have my people yeah. you have your people so you pick on me my people they will be there and waiting whereas here we everyone is like a little island we don't have our we don't, we don't always have our people it's a really interesting um, point you make there I hadn't yeah. I hadn't thought of that and also if I take that and if I get bashed 100% is a lesson to me I'm not gonna mark it around with him and or, or her anymore and anywhere but you in a school uniform that things will go to school yeah. and when that gets to school you're in a big trouble mm. both of you mm. you're gonna get whipped but here you can't whip someone <laughs> this is why people they run over everything they want so when you get a whip it's reminding you yeah. I get this whip I'm gonna get again no I don't wanna do it again but here you can't do it uh, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of rights kids right human right there's a too many rights but sometimes for the kids I think we teach them a lesson it teach them something because you beat you whip someone it's not like you hate you hate that that yeah. because all of us we have a different mindset of learning things yeah. some other yeah I can talk to you you understand what uh, but some of us until we get a whip and that wakes us up ah okay now I'm not gonna do it yeah so you said you were a tour guide. Uh, how long were you doing that for? I did tour guiding for eight, ten years, I think, something like that. Yeah. For that, I was a public 
transportation driver mm-hmm. and there is one day one of the partner of the company he's uh, he's got his own vehicle and that day they didn't have the driver mm-hmm. and they asked me to go if I can go and drive that that is how I get into that mm-hmm. so I went there and I drive that and the first day and the second day they asked me if I can go for the week and I say yeah okay and then after that I've been told you need to work here full time that is how I got into the tour guiding and but I didn't start as a, as a guide I was driver mm-hmm. so I drive and all the time when I go there I drive I was too close to the guide mm-hmm. I'm listening him when he explaining these things I was listening so I was self teaching so I was just okay. listening him over and over same thing every single day then is a one day this guy he's an old Indian man mm-hmm. and I think he I can say he saw me or he I explained things to the tourists mm-hmm. a group of five of them then I think that the time he realized I know mm-hmm. stuff yeah I have learned stuff from him then that is the time that he so instead of being a driver then I was a driver and that was a I was a guide okay so that is how I got into it and so what kind of people were on the tour is a Westerner the people from all different part of the world from Australia from New Zealand from America from UK from Canada from Israel Japan and France so they're different part of the world so I guess as you were doing the job for the period of time you must have enjoyed enjoyed tour guiding enjoying because meeting people every single day different people so I was enjoying and I use I do like to, to learn different words same thing but I get to learn that so I was also like self teaching another language of, of the tourists I get so I was like they were my tourists and also they were my, they were my teachers they were teaching me so I was enjoying I want to get more words different because I want to be my workmate because he doesn't have this word he can't speak can't say this oh, word yeah. so I was like that so I want to get new words all the time I mean to beat <laughs> my workmate Zanzibar is a is a mixture is a mixtures of people who they settle there and if you go in a Swahili language is a mixture of all these people who they've been settled in Zanzibar. So you can go, you can speak English, but you can hear people talk speaking Swahili, but there is a English words in it. Mm, yeah. But little, little bit, there is a little bit the pronunciation they become. But is an English word, but the pronunciation it become in a in a our mother tongue is a, and you can go find German words. Okay. In a Swahili language. Yeah. And you go and you'll find Arabic words mm. in Swahili language. And you'll find also Portuguese words. And you'll find also Indian words. And also have a Bantu. Uh, Bantu here you call it Aboriginal, that native people oh, that yeah. place. And also the Persian word, mm. the Iranian words. 
we have them there. And all of these people, they didn't left their just words. Yeah. They left their, their culture. Yeah. And also they left their, I can say, their blood. Mm. Yeah, you could see that when you're looking around at all the different people there. There's just different. So with all these different people, do they do people get on in, in Zanzibar or is there, is, there, is there any conflict between different groups? I can tell you it's not just in Zanzibar. In all Tanzania, yeah. in all Tanzania, we don't have a conflict yeah. of your color. Yeah. We don't have a conflict of your tribe. We don't have a conflict of your religious. Mm -hmm. We don't have that type of thing. Yeah. That is how we've been living there all this time. Yeah. So we don't have people. They have their tribes. Yeah. They have uh, their like. If you go like uh, in mainland Tanzania, mainland, they have their tribe languages. Yeah. But when you come in all society, we speak one language, Swahili. Because isn't um, Zanzibar where they speak supposedly the the most pure Swahili or something like that? <laughs> Yes, because at that time the, the trading, because in Zanzibar, passion, they came over on a coast. Yeah. So they come there six, they come to stay there for six months and then they have to sell back to Persian Gulf yeah. or they can sell again to the military. So, the, but they want to get to communicate with the local yeah. for that six months they're staying there. They need a common language. So, yeah, they need it. So that is how the language Swahili comes from. So as we said before, when you first arrived in Tasmania, there were very, very few African people. But I guess over the time that you've lived here, what, what changes have you seen? Yeah, it's a big change. Then an African migrant, they came, I saw a lot of them came over and then they left. Some of them, they follow job opportunity. They went to mainland. Some of them, they left here because of the weather condition, because some of them is threatening their health because of the weather so they have to move here to go somewhere warmer yeah, yeah but some of them yeah they left because of the they want to get a job mm. but and because here they don't know anyone yeah it's a common problem yeah and also because they come over here they want to help their people back home yeah as we say they are we live <laughs> we live together it's not just me and my kid it's me my sister my brother my nephew my niece my auntie <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's we helping one another, and, and so in that kind of spirit, have you uh, sort of helped out other um, sort of African Africans who've arrived in Tasmania? To me, I, I help this the families through the sports mm -hmm. because some family, this family, when they come here, they have young people, yeah. and young people is especially when they're teenage, easy to go wrong way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. than to go on the right way because here it's not like in Africa here they get everything they want mm -hmm. and also because of the law here you can't touch kids yeah. but the kids they misbehave they can get punished yeah. but here you can't do that so how to do that most of most of the African kids they love to play soccer yeah. and myself I found that's the opportunity to get these kids yeah. because they love to play soccer and they like to be with their friends.
friends. They socializing the, together. So we prefer them to help them and get them there. Just socialize. Let's play soccer. Um, entertaining them for that two, three hours a day. Distract what their mindset maybe if they don't have that thing, what they gonna do. So distract. Ah, okay. I get this. I'm here with my friend. We kick the ball around. We're having fun. We're marking around. Okay. Tomorrow, day after we coming back again. We have this. So they, you make that in their head routine. So they know after school, we're going to play soccer. Yeah. After soccer, we're going home, eat, sleep. Tomorrow morning, school. So you interrupt this in between these things uh, we have nothing to do. So you take over. They're playing soccer. They're going home tired. They eat and sleep. And then they wake up in the morning going back to school. And the weekend, we're having game. It's fun. Yeah. So you getting them for they say from 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. They get in a 19 and step in a 20 because of this from from 8 to 19, this is the time things goes very bad. In between this time, these young people, that's the time is a lot of things. They want to explore everything. They don't know themselves they put in the jeopardy. So that is how I put myself to help them. Mm. So soon they get a 20, that thing is playing soccer, going there is a routine so it's in them. Yeah. They know thinking about other things. They're thinking to play soccer. Uh, so weekend game. Uh, now I'm 18 or 19. I started getting a job. I'm going to work. So these silly things, they're already gone. Yeah. It's not going to come back. So now they're thinking, I want to get a job. I'm going to go to job. I'm going to soccer. And that is myself. That is I feel and how I, I help them. But uh, some the family, they know. Some of the family, they don't know. Mm -hmm. But the kids themselves, they know. Yeah. Because some of them, they come and talk to me and they say, thank you for what you've done to me. And now how I become, I can tell you, I have now a kid. He's 20 years old, 21 years old. He, he bought a house with his girlfriend, yeah. 21 years old. Yep. He, and so you, were you coaching him from when he was? Uh, yeah, he was young. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about um, what changes you'd seen from teaching, uh, helping or coaching kids from like a young age until they're almost adults. Yeah, so that is, I did. And so they, I have one, as I told him, but how he's busy working now. Now he doesn't want even playing soccer. He just concentrated to work. Yeah. So that is silly thing. And he was really naughty, okay. but I was hard on that and I changed it. And I have another one. He was, he's a friend. He's now, he's in a, what, electri, electricity course uh, apprenticeship. Oh, electricianship is an electrician. Yeah. All right. So he's doing that, and he he's happy. And yeah, was it was it a week last week? No, week before he came to me and he said, "Yeah, very thank you very much. I really appreciate for what you've done to me mm. because you teach them how to behave with other people, yeah. how to work with other people. You put them together mm -hmm. because you playing soccer. Some of them they come, they don't speak English. Yeah, but when you put them there, they know we're playing soccer. Uh, soccer is passing the ball and score the goal. And winning the, is a language yeah. all over the world. <laughs> One language. Yes. We know that when we see a round ball there, this is how we want. And the rules is the same. Yeah. The rules is the same all over the world. So, no, there's no superior because one person did mistake is 
all of us we collapse yeah and i my, myself i told these kids i say you kids you think here you're gonna be naughty or you're gonna be silly to do some silly because you want to show someone you you know it's not because you doing that bad thing it's not just you it's all of us your mom and dad they pay your registration will look bad yeah. myself as a coach you putting me down too yeah. and then the club because the club registered you so the club all the club everyone who putting them down so i guess it's about teaching personal responsibility yeah so i say if you misbehave you get punishment is all the club we get punishment mm. it's not just you it's all of us what is your what would you say is the for you the best thing about living in tasmania I'm living here because now i've got my own kids yeah. <laughs> my kids born here they know more here than <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> than where I am from. So this is their home. So that is my best thing. The fancy family. Yeah. Okay. What, what, what's something that you would, if you could, that you would like to bring from Africa that you would like to bring here people in Tasmania could benefit from? I guess if, if for example, if I can take away from there to here is the way living. Mm -hmm. what, what specifically? Um, I can say the people living together like it. Go to neighbor. Neighbor, open the doors to a neighbor. Yeah. Talk to each other. Greet each other in the morning. But here we don't have. We don't have here. So for there, in the morning, I can go and knocking the door to my neighbor. Ah, Mark, how are you? How are you feeling? How are the kids going? Or how are you going? Ah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. But here, it's hard. In your next door neighbor, you don't know one another. Mm. People, they moving there and until they move, going to another place you still don't know who's who so it's a little bit or sometimes next door neighbor there is the elderly people yeah. these people they need you now is the time to keep eyes on them mm. but here now so it's 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 a bit hard because even if i'm gonna go and knock the door to these people but if i go there they're gonna be what you want so is maybe some of them i have my neighbor there elderly we talk a lot here it's just luck you have a friendly neighbor <laughs> yeah because in africa if uh, i have the kids my kids they can go to neighbor and they can my neighbor can feed them without yep. any problem and their kids they can come my play my house i can feed them without asking anything they can uh, they can play here whatever they want but he, you can't do it <laughs>